some things that I believe the Lord specifically put on my heart to, uh, to, to share. Um, and he's, uh, he spoke some things to my heart. You could say a word from the Lord uh, for people, for individuals, for people in this church, people. But, but it's, it, it applies beyond just people in, in the church. Uh, and I believe even for the for the nation, that uh, you know, and I, and I'm you know I'm not just trying to say oh I'm trying to preach a word of the word for the nation, but but I believe there are some things that that in what what I'm gonna say that are important and relevant, but especially for us as individuals to grab a hold of. Um, and uh, I'll share with you in a moment what the Spirit of the Lord put on my heart, but. Uh, it, Let's read some passages of Scripture first as I was studying and preparing this afterwards after he spoke some things to me and looking at some Scriptures. So let's uh, look at 1 Samuel 17. Now, this is the passage with David and Goliath. So it's a very familiar passage. And most Christians, most people probably know this to some degree. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but um, let's just jump through a few verses just to set the scene. Uh, verse 1, now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at um, Soko, which belongs to Judah. So uh, at verse 2, and, the, the, and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and then camped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. So this 1 Samuel 17, and then it's verse 1 and 2. So in verse 1, it says, the Philistines gathered their armies to come and battle Israel. And then uh, then you've, in verse 2, you've got Saul and the men of Israel uh, were gathered together. So these, these two verses set the two, two sides to this battle, the Philistines and, 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 uh, and, and Saul and his men. It says, verse 3, the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. So... You know, we, we've got a row of desks here, we've got a row of tables here, we've got a valley in the middle. See, here they are on the two battle sides facing each other, ready to fight, ready to go to battle. Okay? And, and Israel is obviously God's people. And the Philistines, in a sense, is the enemy, you know, and we have an enemy, don't we? And, and, our, and the enemy tries to sometimes gather himself in battle against us. The Bible calls him our adversary. He, he's, he, he, he wants to attack individuals. He wants to attack churches. He wants to attack the work that the body of Christ is doing and that God has uh, he, he attacked the plan of God and the people of God, doesn't he? So, so, so here we are. The Philistines kind of initiate this battle and Israel comes on the defensive. How many of you have ever felt like the enemy just kind of launches an attack at you? And so here they are. They're, 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 in, they're, they're ready for battle against each other. Now, we know in the New Testament, we have authority in Christ, don't we? The Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Um, but I want you to notice what happens in this battle. Let's jump down. Uh, at verse 4, a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath. So the enemy's got his primary armory, uh, primary army ready for the battle, the Philistines, but now he sends out Goliath, or the, the enemy sends out Goliath. So Goliath launches a specific attack against the people of Israel, doesn't he? And he begins to taunt the people. We know he's a giant, so this is a big situation. He's taunting the people of God uh, and, and challenges them. He says to them, come, send one of your guys to fight me. Uh, and, 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 you know, the, the next few verses describe his size, 
his armor, his stature, this, this, this intimidating looking enemy that's going to encounter, uh, going to face the, face the, 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 uh, the, the people of God, the Israelites. And he defies them in verse 10. Now, verse 11, when Saul and Israel heard these words of the Philistines, what did they do? They were dismayed and greatly afraid. Uh, Notice the type of people that God is working with in this situation. Notice what God's got to work with. Well, basically, what does God have to work with? Not much. Is there anybody in there who's going to stand up and say, well, hold on, God's got us through many things in the past? No. So the whole nation, even the king, you know, this is supposed to be an army of people. The armies are the people, you know, if your own army doesn't believe they can do much, you want to, what hope are the people who got are not even trained for war? Amen. Um, and then verse, verse 12, 13, 14, we see David. It talks a bit about David. Uh, but verse 16 says, this is, this is where, I'm, where, where I'm aiming for. And the Philistines drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Morning and evening, morning and evening, morning and evening. What's happening here? Sorry? He's intimidating them. But is anybody making any progress? They, they are in a stalemate situation. They're in a deadlock. They're in a situation where nobody's making advances, are they? The enemy's launched his attack, but now they've drawn up the battle lines and they're both sitting there facing each other and, and nobody is progressing. They're not beating the challenges in front of them. Now, you could say they're not getting knocked back, but they're also not making much progress, are they? So the situation that you've got here is a stalemate situation. And notice, uh, let's just jump down to verse 24. It says, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, Goliath, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. <clears throat> let, me ask, let me just ask this for a moment. You know, people, there, are, there are different doctrines that, that get taught. Different people in different churches have different ideas. And, and, and we have this idea that when God's going to move, God just decides he's going to move. You know, when the Lord wants to move, he's just going to move. Well, how come God doesn't move in this situation? Someone, now someone will come up with some religious excuse. Oh, well, it wasn't God's time to move. No, you know what was lacking in this situation? Was there any problem with the covenant with God? Was there any problem with the word of God? Was there any problem with God? You know what this situation did not have was a person that God could use. King Saul, God couldn't use him in this situation. He was too afraid. David's older brothers, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah, I think it was, were all in that army. God couldn't use any of them. So this whole situation is deadlocked and nobody's making any progress, not because God won't do it, but because God's, God needs a person in that situation who's going to do what? Believe him. 
And it wasn't, and we'll talk about this in the, um, t- toward, the, toward the end in a moment, it wasn't until David arrived that things began to change. You, you might say, well, well, you know, it, it sh- we should actually say, no, oh, and you said it wrong. It wasn't until the Lord arrived things began to change. No, 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 no. It wasn't until David arrived. We often think, oh, we'll just leave it up to the Lord. Just leave it up to the Lord. God works through people who are going to be the kind of people he can, work, he, can, he can use. And I've talked about that before. This situation did not lack God moving. This situation lacked a person God could move through. Okay? Now, that's not the primary thing I want to focus on here. But what I want to, I want to talk a bit more about the stalemate. The stalemate situation. They're deadlocked. I was looking up some of these words here. Okay, let me give you a few definitions just to to dig into our thinking of what these words mean, because I want to show you where I'm going with this. The word stalemate is a situation in which further action or progress by opposing parties seems impossible. They're in a stalemate. You know chess? Okay. Stalemate is when nobody wins, but nobody nobody can make a move. You're trapped, but you can't move. You're stuck in that situation. Uh, you cannot break through. You cannot progress. Um, uh, the, the, the other things, uh, the word stalemate, a situation in which neither group can win, neither group can get an advantage. Um, very, uh, another word meaning, definition of the word stalemate is to bring to a standstill. To bring something to a standstill. Well, if it's standing still, it, 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 it can't progress. It can't, it can't move through it, can it? Okay. Uh, another word, like I said, I used the word stalemate, but I also used the word deadlocked. Deadlock is a similar idea. To be deadlocked is to come to a point where no progress can be made. Now, what's progress? Progress is forward motion, isn't it? it, it it's the, the idea of advancing. Now, is God's kingdom a kingdom that is supposed to be static or a kingdom that's supposed to advance? It's an advancing kingdom, isn't it? And, and I'm sure we, we know that there's scriptures that indicate that. But static or deadlocked, and when you're in a deadlock situation, you come to the point where nobody can make any progress, you're at a standstill. Now, you might say, well, that's not too bad. You're not getting knocked backwards. Well, a standstill is just as bad because a standstill means you ain't getting the victories. You're not progressing in a situation. You're stuck at that position where you've been. At. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. This is what God began to put on my heart. Uh, he, 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 I'll tell you the specific thing he said on my heart in a minute. But, but as he began to share this, he began to say many, I, that, that many of the people of God, many Christians, many churches in this country are in a deadlock situation. The enemy maybe hasn't isn't knocking us back but he's got us static he's got us engaged in a situation where we 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 can't move forward because of that and christians many christians are in that situation you know that some christians have been fighting the same battle for years and i don't say this to criticize i don't say this to condemn anybody but, but, but you know what? It's not just battles as well. You might be in someone's health. It might be in their finances. It can be in other areas. Sometimes the, Christ, uh, the, the enemy can get us to a situation 
where every time you try to rise up and you try to say, oh, we're going to fulfill God's call on my life, he, he knows which buttons in your flesh to push. And every time, you, I'm going to get closer to the Lord. We're going to really get filled with the Spirit. And, he, and you know what? He's been pushing those same buttons in some people's lives for a year, five years, ten years. Some people he's been pushing the same habit, the same issue, the same challenge in their flesh that was beating them 20 years ago is still beating them. And each time they try to advance, the enemy pushes that button because they've never got a breakthrough in that area. So what's happening in many people's lives, and I believe this is more real, more, more, real's the wrong word, more common. Than, than we'd like to admit, but I think the enemy has gotten a lot of Christians in a static, deadlock situation. And if they're really honest, they can go through all the activity and get excited. But if you really look back, backwards down the path, not to cling to the past, but to learn from the past, okay? But if you look back and look back 10 years, 20 years, and you're honest with yourself and says, have I actually beaten battles and advanced past some things? Or am I actually just deadlocked? Anyone, can anyone identify? And, and this, is, this is part of what this God began to say. He said, the enemy is, is getting us in a situation where, you know, you, you might not backslide as a Christian. Backslide, that's going backwards. You're not, in a sense, losing ground, but you're stuck in the same position. In the same battle, in the same challenge. You know how many Christians have heard God teach about, so, sorry, heard teaching about how God wants to meet your needs and provide for you, and yet financially they are still skimming the surface like they were many years ago. They haven't advanced, have they? The advancing is not taking place. And like I said, in a battle in their health, there are many Christians that, have, that are dealing with the same physical battle that they've been believing God for years for. This isn't to criticize anybody. This is to, 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 to challenge us and say and begin to realize, is it okay that the enemy deadlocks us? We're in a kingdom that's supposed to be moving forward. We are a people that are supposed to be moving forward. The Bible talks about going from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from strength to strength. And if you look at that, that's all got to do with increasing levels of faith increasing levels of glory, increasing levels of strength. What does that sound like moving forward? Advancing. But the enemy's using a strategy. He knows which buttons to push in people's flesh. I'm not good. How many of you know we all have flesh? Some say, oh, you're, you're, you're a preacher. You can't. And I, I yield to my flesh too. And, you know, we've all yielded to our flesh at some point, haven't we? Yeah, we've all given in and, you know, maybe some people worse than others, but we've all got flesh. <clears throat> but very often the enemy has areas in our flesh that we struggle with that we've never broken. We've never got victory in that area. We've never learned how to overcome the flesh in that area. I'm not point preaching at anyone. This is for everybody. And he knows just when you begin to say, oh, Lord, I want to fulfill your call for my life. 
I want to do this. He just pushes that button on the flesh, throws the same temptation across your path, the same issue stirred up, so similar issue, but it just causes you give in to the flesh, and before you know it, you're not advancing again. Yeah, the flesh will stop you advancing in the things of God. It's not the only thing, but I'm just giving some illustrations. Do you know there were other people in Scripture that were deadlocked? Okay, They were static. Uh, there's another word, static, deadlock, stalemate, or static. Well, the word static is the same idea. It's lacking any movement, lacking any change. The word static, as it, when it's an adjective, kind of comes from the word, a Latin word which had to do with either water or a horse standing still, water that's not flowing, static. All right, so stationary, stalemate, deadlock. But why are people stationary? Is it because they want to be stationary? The average Christian is, oh, yes, let's move. You know, they want to press into the things of God. We know Paul talked about our press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Why are they deadlocked? For the same reason Israel was deadlocked. The enemy has set up in battle array. He's on the one side, you're on the other side, and he's sitting there and he hits you every time. With the same thing. There's a strategy of the enemy. And I think churches are in this condition as well. I think they're churches that really, they have lots of activity going on. But if you really look at it, they haven't advanced much in 10 years. They haven't progressed much in 20 years. Honestly, if they're honest for themselves. Not pretend. Yeah? Not just, I see it by faith. <laughs> And this is what, what, when I say the, the Lord put a word on my heart, sometimes it's the simple things. People think, oh, you're going to have a world-shaking word from the Lord. No, no, this is a simple one, but it is a word from the Lord. I heard the Spirit of the Lord begin to say it. It's time to move forward. It's time to move forward. It's time to break that deadlock in our individual lives and in our churches. You know, even this church, the enemy's tried to do the same thing. He's tried to get us into a deadlock. Tried to get us into a situation where we're doing well, we have a great time, but we're stuck at a point. And I'm not tolerating that, are you? I believe it's time. We, we've gone through some changes here with the building. We've moved from the house to the building. We had the coffee shop meetings because we didn't have the building every week. But I believe we're at a point now where it's time to advance. It's time to pick the momentum back up. But I don't want just that just in the church. I want it in individual lives. It is time to go forward. One of the things that's, gonna, that, that, that's involved in going forward is you've got to start really getting a vision of going forward and grabbing a hold of that determination that we're going to start once and for all move forward in some areas. And we're not letting it go until we move forward. Amen? Let me just, we'll talk, about, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about David in a moment. But you know what? There's other situations. Let's look at it. In fact, you go to Exodus 14. I want to just look at another situation where, where, where there was a potential for a deadlock. But, but as you go to Exodus 14, I'm going to read to you Mark 5. Because in Mark 5, most of us know about the woman with the issue of blood. Ever heard of her? Do you know that she was in a deadlock situation? Because Mark 5, now this is before she encountered Jesus, but the woman with the issue of blood, Mark chapter 5, verse 25 says this. Now a certain, you're going to Exodus 14, says now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. That's a long time, isn't it? 12 years. And then it says this, 
and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. What's that telling you? Is she, is she getting any way through this thing? She's stuck in this battle. Now for her, be, before, before she heard about Jesus, she didn't. She, all she had was the natural. I'm sure she must have to some degree cried out, God, yeah? She, I mean, she was an Israelite, wasn't she? And for 12 years, she's been in this condition. That means the enemy has held her in this grip in the same problem for that period of time. That's a deadlock. That's a she's not making, she's trying to progress. Well, thank God for her. When she finally got a hold of, she heard about Jesus. She came in the tusk behind her faith connected to the anointing of Jesus. And she finally made some progress on that thing. How many, how many of you are willing to continue staying in deadlock? How many of you are willing, you, you, you can hear about all that God's got for you, but you look at your life and you, 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 the enemy just keeps getting you back down into the same situation you can't break through. It's time to start moving forward. It's time to begin to say enough is enough. And as a people of God, we're going to start making some progress. I'm not satisfied in the United Kingdom with us, with, with, with us just constantly looking like God's going to move and then suddenly everything tapers off and it all goes wrong again. And the enemy just brings us back into the same situation. Now people say, oh, that there's loads happening in the UK. You know what? I remember 10 years ago when it looked like there was loads happening and there were some really big ministries that would rise up and half of those ministries, things have happened and they've all scattered and gone all over the place now. It just keeps looking like things are going to happen and then whack, static again. That's a deadlock constantly. And the enemy has used that strategy in the United Kingdom over and over and over again for decades now when God started to try and move. And he brings it back into a deadlock and it just seems, to, seems like when the dust settles, no progress is being made. Uh, I've had enough of that. It is time for us to begin to say it's time to actually get some breakthroughs and some progress and for some th movement to begin to happen. Are you guys with me on this? In my individual life and in the church. I do not want to look back. In 20 years' time, and have to be honest that I really actually haven't advanced much further than I was today. Okay? Now, let's look at this in Exodus 14. This is another situation where the enemy, in a sense, trapped them in a position. We know this one. It's the Red Sea. It says, now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, we don't have to, to, to read it on, but... Um, Actually, let me summarize the first few. Pharaoh's just let them out of Egypt. You know they've got a victory. Would you call that a victory? They've just made some progress. Now, where are they trying to get? The promised land. But what, what strategy does the enemy use next? They've just made some progress. The next strategy the enemy uses is, is to trap them in one spot. They come out, they get the Red Sea in front of them, and what happens? Pharaoh comes in behind them, and suddenly, they can't go either way. Now, I, I haven't looked at the geography of this, but I've heard people say that on either side of them were hills and mountains, from what I understand. I haven't looked at the geography of that, so that is, if I'm wrong on that, blames whoever I quoted. <laughs> okay? But 
they were in a situation when they get to the Red Sea, they are trapped. They can't move. That's a stalemate. When you can't move in a game of chess, you've got to retire. You can't just say, I'll skip my move, you go again. doesn't work like that. A stalemate means you are stuck, you cannot move. So the enemy uses this strategy by coming up behind them again as Pharaoh comes up against them. They can't, make, can't, can't, can't go forward and can't go backwards. Now jump down to verse 11 of Exodus 14. I want you to notice something. Verse 11 starts off, and they said, who's they? This is, this is the Israelites, okay? So the Israelites said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why are you dealing with us to bring us up out of Egypt? They're being a bit negative, aren't they? But what I wanted you to highlight, I, want you to, you, I wanted to highlight who's talking here, not necessarily what they say, but it says, they said to Moses. Now notice, Verse 13 starts off, and Moses said to the people. You see that one? You following me? I just want you to notice for now who's talking. Now, you would think what Moses is going to say is pretty good, wouldn't you? Because Moses is supposed to be the one who's speaking on behalf of the Lord. Is he not? I mean, normally you can take what Moses says as thus saith the Lord, can't you? Would you agree with me? Notice what happens in this situation. Verse 13, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. That's good advice. He's giving them good advice as a whole. He says, do not be afraid. Stand still. Does anyone see that, that, that word? Moses said, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall, shall see again no more forever. <clears throat> now Moses, most of what he said is pretty good. And I believe he's heard from God to a degree. I know, I, I, but there's something, something slightly wrong in what he says. And this is going to aggravate some people who say this. Because I've heard people quote this one. When they say, oh, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Ever heard anyone quote that one? Stand still, see the salvation of the Lord. What does stand still cause you to do? Become passive. It's hard scripture. Moses said stand still. Yes. Now look who spoke in the next verse. Verse 15, it says, and the Lord said. Now who's talking? The Lord said to Moses. Now let me just ask you for a moment. Whose word matters most, Moses's or the Lord's? Do you know that there are times even leaders might not quite say exactly what God is saying? Moses was, the, a lot of what he's saying is right here, but the, the one thing he got wrong, which is different to what God said, is God did not say stand still. Do you see this? What did God say? Verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to do what? Go forward. Is that the same as stand still? That's a different instruction, isn't it? You ever noticed that? I never noticed that until, I, until about a couple of days ago. I've read this. I know that God's instruction there was to go forward. I didn't see the difference between what Moses said and the Lord said. 
<laughs> Did sorry? Yeah. Yeah. It's just amazing that Moses got most of that correct, but there's one thing that's different, and God had to say, no, I didn't say stand still. What is stand still? Stand still makes you passive. There are a lot of people that just say, oh, it's right. We'll just stand and do nothing. We'll just wait for the Lord to do it. Did the woman with the issue of blood just stay at home still and say, well, we'll just wait for the Lord to arrive? How did that deadlock in her life break? She had to press into. She had to say, "I'm going to start. I'm going to start taking some steps forward." Now you don't just take steps forward out of your own natural. You fill yourself with the word, and you you take steps of faith that are based upon what the word is saying. Yeah. Otherwise, you can just be in presumption and effort. But you begin to begin to say, "I am going to start break this. I'm not settling for this deadlock." No, the the enemy wants me still. He's had me still for a long time. It's time for us to begin to say, it's time to start moving forward. And that's what I believe the Lord put on my heart. Whereas I was praying, he said, that's, that's exactly the phrase. It is time to start moving forward. And I knew he was talking for the church and for individuals. It's time for us to begin to say, I'm not settling for a deadlock anymore. <clears throat> We're going to make some progress. We're going to get through. Now, what, what keeps people in a, sta in a stalemate situation? People say, well, the Lord keeps you. No, no, <laughs> that's bad theology. The Lord doesn't keep you in a stalemate situation. He didn't put you in a stalemate situation. Yeah, I could, I could give you other examples in Scripture. I've just pulled out three there. But you know there was a situation where, where Samaria had, had surrounded it. Had, uh, uh, sorry, um, the enemy had... I can't remember which enemy it was, but the enemy had surrounded, surround, was it Samaria? They'd surrounded, um, and, 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 and I may have got the city wrong as well, but they got to the point where they were in famine, and the enemy had besieged the city. And they couldn't get out. What happens when you're besieged? You, you, you can't move, can you? Now, that situation, you know how that situation broke? Yes, the word of the Lord came through the prophet, but what actually caused the word to come to pass? Four lepers sitting on the gate. They were the only ones who could actually move. They're sitting at the gate. They hadn't been allowed in the city. And you know what they started doing? They said, well, we're just going to go to the enemy's camp and just see what happens. We're going to die if we stay here. We could die if we go there. But you know what? They actually began to make some, they, they began to take some steps. <laughs> What caused that whole besiegement and God's power to manifest was someone taking some steps to move forward. And, 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 and the power of God then backed and moved in with those lepers. What caused the, 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 the siege, in a sense, the, the stalemate with David and Goliath to break? It took somebody to come in there who was going to start moving forward. That God could do some things through. God's power often manifest through people who are willing to say, to, to, to say, we're going to go forward. But what causes things to stay in a stalemate? Well, first, I've mentioned a few of them already. Your flesh is a good one. <laughs> and we've all got it. You decide you're going to get, going to get, going to really move forward in the word of God. And the next thing, you know, the enemy stirs up your laziness or he stirs up something, you know, <laughs> 
whatever other area, the flesh. But the other things, the children of Israel, if you look in these situations, very often they were negative. They were looking in the past. They were caught up and focused in on the situation. The enemy wants you to become so zeroed in on the situation, he'll use your own mind to convince you you can't beat that thing. Psychological warfare he'll use. So, oh, the word's not going to work for you. I, I finally came to the realization, why does the enemy spend so much time trying to tell me the word doesn't work? <laughs> why does he, how many, has, has anyone ever says it's not working? You finally, you got to look at the enemy and say, <laughs> you must be really thick devil. Because if you're going to put all that effort in to convince me to let go of the word, that must be what you're afraid of. Because the word's your sword. Yeah? Why does he say, oh, you've tried it, it's not working. Why is he doing that? Why is he trying to convince you to let go of the word? Because that's the thing that's going to help you bring your... You know, when, 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 when it looks like you're in stalemate or when you're stuck in stalemate, sometimes you've got to become more aggressive with the principles. Not quit on principles. Not let go. It's the people that let go of things that find they stay in the stalemate. How did they, how did Israel get, get, get out of that stalemate with David and Goliath? David. Somebody arrived on the scene who believed we can get through this thing. Somebody arrived on the scene who believed that giant's not going to hold us in this position anymore. Somebody arrived on the scene who had a confidence that God was bigger than that giant. The enemy is supposed to be fleeing from us. Isn't that what that God said? Resist the devil and he'll flee? If the enemy's not fleeing... Then and, and he, for some reason, he's able to get you into a stalemate. It's because in some way, something, something that should keep you moving forward you've got, is not working in your life. Or the enemy is managing to convince the flesh to stop you getting the word. Or something like that. The word will bring forward motion. Faith will bring forward motion. This is a simple word from the Lord this morning. I'm not going to teach very long, but we need to realize. Look at, look at, let me just read you a couple of scriptures. I read this one Proverbs 30. I want you to begin to realize moving forward and advancing is the way things are supposed to be with a Christian. Don't settle for anything less. We're not supposed to be in the same place we were 10 years ago. We're not supposed to be stuck on the same battle. On, uh, churches in the UK, we're not supposed to just be pretty much, looks like we're going to do well, and then they fizzle out and it gets back and, we, and the dust settles, we're in the same spot again. Okay, Proverbs 30, just want to sh sh show you a couple of scriptures and then we'll probably round up. Verse 24, Proverbs 40, verse, uh, sorry, 30 verse 24. There are four things which are little on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. <laughs> they might be small things, but they're pretty, pretty, actually, they've got a lot of wisdom to them, yeah? 
why would God point these out? Because he's showing you some things that's actually pretty impressive. This is wise. The first he says, verse 25, the ants, so ants are little, aren't they? The ants are a people not strong. Doesn't matter how strong you are. Doesn't matter how big you are. Did it matter how big David was against Goliath? See, the size, <laughs> the size of, of, what do they say? The size of the dog in the fight is not as important as the, fight, the size of the fight in the dog. <laughs> How many of you ever seen the little dogs, the ones that seem to have more fight than anyone else? Yeah, you know, you know, Yours is like, he's a bit of a feisty one. The big ones are like, oh, whatever. You know, they're not intimidated, but the big ones are like, rah, 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 rah. okay? The answer of people not strong, and notice this, and yet they prepare their food in the summer. What's the wisdom in the end? What's the wisdom? He said, let me say, they're four little things, but, but they're, they're exceedingly wise. What is it that he's pointing out about an, an ant that's wise? Prepared. Prepared. And you will find that principle throughout the word of God. Do you remember when the ten, the ten virgins, the five, the five wise, why did the, the five foolish, why were they foolish? Because they were not ready. They hadn't got ready in advance. They hadn't prepared in advance, yeah? Okay? The rock badgers are a feeble folk. <laughs> Yet they make their homes in the crags. That one I sat and I looked at. I haven't really meditated on it, but I'm like, okay, what, what exactly is this one pointing out? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to figure that one out later. <laughs> Maybe I'll get to that another time, unless anyone can see what, what is pointing out about that one. But I wanted to get to, the, to, to, the, to, the, to the, the third one. The locusts have no king. What is it about the locusts? My version says, yet they all advance in ranks. Remember, what did he say? Four things that are little. And yet there was. What is the wisdom he's pointing out about the ants? They prepare. What is the wisdom he points out about the locusts? Because is this verse teaching us something about wisdom? <coughs> What's the wisdom that he points out about the locust? They advance. They move forward. There's a principle there. Should we be satisfied with being static? Should we settle for being deadlocked? Or should we say enough is enough? It is time to begin to move forward and to start taking ground. We can sit and complain all we want about how the enemy is getting into this and the oh, this area of society and old television and old movies and old government. The enemy this, the enemy that, the enemy this. Because all the while the enemy's got us stuck in a static thing, he's taking ground in other areas. He's stopping us taking ground. Because he gets us caught up in those battles. And that's, that's him trying to be wise. We're going to draw our, draw, draw, put our feet in the ground and begin to say, I believe the Lord is saying it's time for his people to start making some progress. It's time for us to start advancing and moving forward in some areas. And it's time for us to begin to say, what's it going to take to move forward? And we might talk, we're probably going to talk about that in some future weeks. I'm not going to get into that part of it now. But first of all, I want to get into the attitude of you. 
I'm not going to, I'm not going to be beaten by this thing anymore. It's time to get this breakthrough. It's time to start saying we're getting through the thing that's held me back. And that area of the flesh that just keeps pulling me down, it's time that I get the victory over it. That area of my health, that area where the enemy just keeps hitting me every time I try to start. I, how many of you know, Christians, they, they begin to say, oh, I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to be a tither. I didn't preach about tithing and giving lots in this church. So, you know, if I mention it sometimes. And someone says, oh, I'm going to start giving. And you know what happens? They, they step out and start giving and the enemy just whacks their finances. Everything goes wrong. And then they back down off tithing again, don't they? And then for the, for, the next three, for the next three or four years, they just say, I don't have enough to give. And then somewhere along the line, they suddenly get stirred up and the word begins to show them and they begin to say, yes, yes, the Spirit of the Lord rises up and said, that shows, says, this is a biblical principle. I'm not telling people what to do. I'm, we know this. Most Christians know that this God will rise up. And so they say, oh, I'm going to step out and start giving again. And they start tithing again. And the moment they start tithing, the enemy hits their finances. Everything goes wrong. They're suddenly in lack again. And what do they do? They back off tithing. And then to five years, 10 years, 15 years, and they begin to say, Lord, why am, I, why am I just still living hand to hand and I just can't break through in my finances? Lord, I'm supposed to be walking in blessing. It's because each time you rise up to put the word into practice in an area, the enemy hits you and you back down and you get deadlocked again. Why do you think the enemy launches that attack when you start to put the word into practice? To get you to stop putting the word into practice. That's, he's, that's one of the big things he's trying to get you to let go of. You do everything you can to convince you out of the principles of the word. Because those are the principles that will take you forward. It's like the moment you start the, the moment you start teaching on healing. It's like a person who comes and says, "Sorry, I, I couldn't come to the healing meeting. I was sick." <laughs> oh yes, they you they, they you hear that one. I so, know oh, you are having a healing meeting, but you know I was sick. I couldn't get, I couldn't come. Now we laugh, but you know what? You know how much the enemy uses this. You know I me. Mean? You start out to do healing meetings, and suddenly the, half the church gets sick, and no one shows up. <laughs> Why, why does the enemy do that? What is the enemy after? Remember in Mark 4, the sower sows the word, Satan comes immediately and he's after the word. That's He's trying to stop that word working and taking root. And that's why he launches that attack again. Because very often, when we, one of the reasons that's holding people deadlocked, one of the things is they keep letting go of principles every time they get deadlocked. I'm not saying it's the only thing, and I'm not pointing fingers, but it's one of the things. It's designed to keep you in that place. So how do you break, how do you break through that part of it? You say, I'm not going to let this cause the same response in me this time. I'm going to stick this through. I'm going to push this forward. I'm going to keep believing what the Word says. I'm going to keep putting the Word into practice. And because I'm believing that God says I'm, I'll make forward progress in this. That's one, that's one of the steps. Amen? I'm not going to let go of this. I'm not going to back down. And I'm not going to let the thing that hits me again knock me back again. Because if I keep doing that, in five years' time, I'll still be in this situation. And I'm not willing to anymore. I've got to start making a different response. Amen? So I, I, that's, all I'm, that's all I'm going to teach on today. And I, I, 
I, I hope that stirs you up. It stirs me up. There's things in there for me. There's areas I know in my own life where the enemy just keeps whacking the same area. And, 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 and you look back and you think, why am I not further along the line in this? I know, I know if I've gone through that, one of the best things as a teacher is to teach you out of what you've been through. And I know this is how the enemy works. And I, you see this in other people's lives. You know it that the enemy is using this in other people's lives. And enough's enough. It's time in this country, and it's time in our lives, we get some progress and we move forward. And I believe the Lord is saying it is time for us to start moving forward. Amen? So that's the bit that I'm going to impart today. I might look more at this in future weeks. I'll pray about it because we might, we might look at what, what's, what's it going to take. What are the different things? But the first part I wanted to get out today was to stir your heart to say enough's enough. That's the, and I'm I'm not backing down anymore. I'm not I'm done with staying in the same spot spiritually. Sometimes that's got to be the starting attitude. Amen. So let's pray, Father God. We just thank you, Lord. I, I believe that you want you want the church to advance. You want us as individuals to advance. You want us to begin to finally get into some things, to get into our calling, Lord God, and not not just for not just for us never to seem to reach that place, Lord. I don't believe you want us to, 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 to just constantly never reach. We, we, we live in the realm of time. We live in the time is finite. There's only so much time. There's only so many decades the enemy can burn up before you get to the end of, of our time on this earth. And if Jesus tarries, and I don't want to keep burning up another decade and burning up another decade. The enemy uses this time delay. He uses this burn time up and keep you in the same point to eventually just say, well, now, you know, they, they, gotta, they, they move on and to be with the Lord now. But, you know, you can get us out of this planet, get us without having achieved what we need to. There's only so much time. That's why we need to begin to say, with the time that I've got left, I am going to progress. With the time that I'm still here, I'm going to take steps forward and I'm going to help other people to progress and take steps forward. Hallelujah, Lord. We're going to, we're going to get some breakthroughs in our health. We're going to get some breakthroughs in our finances. We're going to get some breakthroughs in this church. We're going to break through in some areas in the area around this, the, 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 the Cheshire and the Northwest. We're going to break through in some areas that the enemy's been just using over and over again to hold, hold back the plan of God. It's time to make some progress. It's time to set up a vision for that progress. And we thank you, Lord, that we're going we're to make it. We're going to get through in Jesus' name. And we're not going to let the enemy knock us back time and time again with all kinds of different strategies. Hallelujah, Lord. So we give you the glory and the honor for that. Thank you, Father God. And we stand together as a group. We stand in agreement that it's time to, to move forward. We give you the glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Interesting, isn't it?